0: Dr. Raymond Hamden. He's a clinical and forensic psychologist from the Human Relations Institute and Clinics. And he's here to answer any questions that you've got. And you like, uh, I know you like to get phone calls as well, don't you, Doc?
1: Sure, if that's going to be applicable. We'll be happy to take phone calls and we'll mm. listen in and share ideas with people that are calling in. We really appreciate this audience. This is one of the more intelligent audiences that people that listen. And it's quite interesting. I met someone. Here just last night, who's mm. been traveling from the United States, is from one of the Asian countries, but has been in the United States. They say their favorite station in the world mm. is Dubai. Eye. They love the talk radio. That's here. a good compliment. I said, to but have. you just came from the United States. What are you talking about? There's amazing talk shows there. He said, "No, this is really a brilliant show. They stay to the point, intelligent talk, a lot of good guests." Let's put that on a poster. Well, he didn't know I was one of the guests, I guess, <laughs> <laughs> to prove that differently. But uh, no, I'm not begging the question on it. But it was quite nice to mm. hear that because you hear a lot of people saying, oh, yeah, we listen to the show. But to hear someone who only travels here periodically to mm. have such a strong comment, that was quite a, quite nice to hear that it was very pleasant to to realize the reasons for that it was just he elaborated so much on how, how much he enjoys do my eye that's fantastic
0: well last week we were talking about personalities and we were uh, getting a lot of questions about um how people's personalities had changed after they'd got married so whether it was a wife talking about a husband or a husband talking about the spouse uh, we were getting an awful lot of texts saying you know basically they've completely changed. They're not the person that I thought that I was getting married to uh, and wanting advice. So we thought, let's extend that. then. Let's focus on that today because um, people generally, is it fair to say, Doc, assume that their partner, whoever they're engaged to, is going to stay the same uh, and they're going to have the same type of relationship after marriage.
1: That's what we actually think on the conscious level, but unconsciously what we're not aware mm. of. There may be some other issues that are going on that don't come out until there's psychological treatment involved. And I'm not talking about coaching and I'm not talking about things where people are not skilled or qualified to actually indulge in the deeper level of the personality. This mm. is more of an analytical situation that takes qualified people to know how to go there in a safe fashion. Mm. There can be unconscious situations that are going on. The reason they're unconscious is because we're not aware of them. But here's the trick. It's your unconscious that motivates your behavior, Mm. not your conscious. Mm -mm. So the things that we have suppressed, the things that we have repressed during that relationship or even before, are what motivates us today. Mm. So if you've had an unresolved issue with your partner during an engagement or a dating period, and you've suppressed that, that comes out later when the marriage is already intact. Now, the marriage intact means that piece of paper that says, now you're legal. Mm. The interesting thing is that in Islam, that piece of paper is called kataba al kitab. Mm-hmm. is actually a legal contract that says you're married. Well, believe it or not, we have the same thing in the Western world, but we don't call it kataba al kitab. We call it the civil license. Yeah. You go to municipality, and you get that. And you get that before the actual ceremony of the marriage. Mm. So it's the same pattern, but it holds different significance. For us in the West, we're really not aware of the marriage until there is a ceremony, whether it's before a civil judge or a religious ceremony. But in Islam, the beauty of the relationship is that qatabuqteb is the actual contract. Mm. So in this, we find that once that happens, people's mindset may change. In other words, during the engagement period, some people may not have the confidence of their relationship, and they think that that piece of paper, which is held before government and God, is going to make them secure. Mm. So all of a sudden, they may change their characteristics in the relationship, their traits in the relationship. Not so much the personality, but things may come out in the personality that had not been revealed before, mm. or they may just feel so comfortable they don't have to work hard for the relationship any- anymore because now they're saying, "I've got that piece of paper. That's it. You're stuck." <laughs> yeah, because
0: yeah, I mean, let's come to this in a second because you know that you, you were saying about uh, in the engagement period of the relationship, you know. W- a lot of people would call that the courting stage. You know, you're being courted, you're courting your partner or they're, or they're courting you. And I, and I, I want to find out from you in a minute, how much of that is real? You know, how much do you actually find out about the real person uh, before you marry them? Well, we, as a
1: forensic guy, courting means a lot different. Okay. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So gonna, now, does that mean you're standing before a judge somewhere? <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, 4001 <laughs> is our text number. We want to hear from you. How did your partner change after marriage? And um, what do you wish you had? known about them before you tied the knot maybe Nothing changed, and that's because you had a conversation or you uh, went into it with your eyes open. Maybe you've actually got some advice that could help some people who are thinking about uh, getting married, help them to uh, not have any kind of dramatic change after they actually wed. Um, As always, we're giving away a a great prize this morning, uh, because the holy month of Ramadan is the perfect time to reflect and indulge in quality time with friends and family. Uh, We're asking for you to visit Accent's Restaurant at the Intercontinental Dubai Marina and Create new memories. And to help you do that, we're giving away a 500 dirham voucher for Iftar at Accents for three people at the Intercontinental Dubai Marina. What you need to do, you need to get involved in today's program uh, and put your uh, name at the end and the word Iftar. Don't just send the word Iftar, you need to make a comment. Ask a question or give us a phone call. Our phone number, 044231010. John texts in. He says, uh, my marriage changed for the worse. Uh, before she, uh, we were married, she was sweet and did all kinds of things around the house. Cooking, cleaning was very affectionate. Um, uh, and I was working full time and going to school full time as well. We got married and all of that stopped. She basically adopted an attitude of, I've already got him, so I don't need to put in any effort And uh, the relationship ended very soon after. Uh, Thanks, John, for your text. Uh, This is a fairly, is that a common story? No, not at all. Actually,
1: that's not a common very, uh, fortunately, it's not very common. Mm. However, there are some changes that do take place. Of course, as a clinical psychologist and lawyers, we don't necessarily see the best of situations. We Mm. get the cases that are going to be breaking up. There's a lot of hostility. There's a lot of anger. And it doesn't usually happen right after the marriage, as has been indicated by this writer. Mm. It usually can happen within the f- seventh to the tenth year mm. of the marriage. And that's they call it the
0: seven-year itch.
1: Yeah, and what's interesting is the seven-year itch was actually a created term when people were very traditional in their social decorum, their moral standings. So we didn't have people living together. Uh, getting Mm -hmm. a learner's permit before they decided to go for the driver's license so to speak so what we would see is people would have an engagement that was supervised by both families Mm -hmm. and then there would be a marriage and that's where the relationship actually would start Mm -hmm. uh, was with that marriage and then the seventh year in would be where we would see people going into what's called the compromise phase so in the marriage map You have the fantasy phase, which is the honeymoon. Mm -hmm. Then you have the reality, which those things that used to be cute and adorable are no longer cute and adorable. You don't want to laugh Mm. at the same joke again for the 148th time. Mm. Then in a couple of years, which is about the seventh year, you go into the compromise phase. And this is where you're deciding, do I really want to stay with this person? But then as you mature, you decide, that you need to consider their feelings as well. Do they really want to stay with me? Mm. Maybe I'm not so perfect. So if you survive that, usually this is where parenting comes in and takes over your forethoughts yeah. on your life, and you don't remember the marriage stuff as much. You're focused on being mom and dad. That means you're going to be vulnerable again when the children start to leave home. Twenty
0: years later. Yeah, about <laughs> put the yeah, relationship to 20 on pause later. for
1: twenty years. Exactly. So there you have that second time that you're going to have that Mm -hmm. vulnerability when the first vulnerability is not correctly resolved Mm. by realizing just because the kids are here doesn't mean you've resolved the mom and dad. It doesn't mean we resolved the husband-wife issue. Mm. You're just now focused on mom and dad. So in this, we also see that people who've been influenced by various functions in their life, like for instance, some people belong to a religious order Mm -hmm. where the female is revered, not worshipped, but revered. And that sense of revering the female in your religious order is placed also on the women in your life Mm. so we've seen situations where men who come from that particular type of religious influence are fine until the day of the marriage then all of a sudden on the day of marriage oh my goodness the woman I'm married to is now the representation of the female who's revered in my religion Mm. and all of a sudden he can't touch her Okay. He can't get close to her anymore because now she has a different representation once that piece of paper represents the solidity of the relationship. Uh, Zaid was <laughs> ringing up. <laughs> His wife made him hang yeah, up. Yeah,
0: I don't know what happened there, Zaid. Uh, Zaid was ringing up to say that um, uh, women want a man as a fixer-up. They see, uh, you know, you mentioned the the man, um, when he gets married in some cultures, reveres the woman uh, to a very high extent, sees her as the perfect uh, perfect part of the relationship whereas women sometimes uh see men as a as a project as something they can change after marriage
1: goodness gracious you know what you just said men. you need to see a psychologist for that me i'm
0: just, i'm, I'm getting the point
1: see, from here see men as a project yeah I this love is this is one. the
0: point that was coming <laughs>
1: through i like that. I mean, does that come with pictures <laughs> you must well, have heard of that though Doc. no i'm just joking with you of course look men are designed to uh, to provide and protect women are designed to nourish and bond regardless of the educational level mm. regardless of career goals it's na- its nature that neurologically hormonally the female species nourishes and bonds the male species will provide and protect mm. so what happens in the dynamics is the man believes that he's supposed to fix everything yeah. it's not just a woman who expects it it's a man who behaves it so we see this As people grow older into adulthood from Mm. teenage years, it actually manifests itself first during the teenage years. Mm -hmm. And where girls are usually raised in many cultures to be very open and honest with each other about their fears, their aims, their goals, their concerns, uh, their jealousy, things like that. Men don't do that. Men are macho. Mm. We're taught that you're not supposed to be emotional. You're supposed to get things done. You're not supposed to have fault. You're not supposed to talk about those kind of things. You're always trying to impress. So men from a very early age in most cultures are taught to be impressive. Mm. And we never admit that we couldn't get a date with Betty Lou <laughs> as well. Uh, she was really a great, fun person. We're really glad we went out and never even got to talk to her. Mm. You know, but it's always that impressionistic stuff where a girl will say, I really don't know if I can get a date with Ray. He's such a smart guy. He's very intelligent, nice looking. I don't think I'm good enough. So you see that kind of dynamics Mm. that takes place when children are growing up into their teenage years. And then when it becomes the time to get to know each other on a more personal level, you see the same kind of dynamics where the girl now thinks that she's married to her best friend, Mm -hmm. that she can talk about all her frailties and concerns and, and goals and aims. And the guy says, I can fix it. Yes. Don't you worry about a thing. <laughs> well, this is great during the fantasy phase, the honeymoon phase. Everything is perfect, and he wants to fix everything. Well, once the fantasy phase is over and reality comes into the picture, she realizes he can't fix anything. He's not able to cure a p- illness. He's not able to refix that balloon that busted so we can blow it up again for our little baby. Mm-hmm. It's not going to work. So what happens is... She gets disappointed because now she's had him on the fix-it-up pedestal. He has no clue that she's disappointed Mm. because he had no idea that there was a problem in her expectations or her goals that believe that he should be able to fix things. He thought he was fixing things. What happens then is he then can't understand why she's disappointed. He thinks that she doesn't love him anymore. He feels guilty for not being able to fix things. He turns his guilt into resentment because we never have to deal with our own guilt because, remember, our intentions are always good. So we turn the guilt into resentment. He says, well, if she doesn't care about me, I'm going to go play more football Mm. if she doesn't want me to be around the house. She interprets that as he's running away from his responsibilities rather than staying here and trying to do everything to bond with me, to work on our family issues. He's running away. Mm. So all of this miscommunications happens. Now, either you go see a lawyer and make them rich, and they're going to build houses at your expense in the south of France, <laughs> or you can see a competent psychologist who works on marriage issues and can help you get through this by helping you learn how to communicate effectively by understanding what's been going on in your relationship. And even though I've given you a general dynamics of what happens, it varies from person to person. It's the general concept that I've given you but it can it does vary from person to person it's never the same I'm I'm so So, glad you
0: are saying there's a solution though because I can just hear thousands of men putting their head in their hands and just saying I didn't I never even knew
1: exactly (laughs) yeah and neither did the female I mean you know some some women are actually more chauvinistic than men Mm -hmm. they feel upset if their husband picks up a plate to take to the kitchen sink or tries to fix the bed in the morning. She thinks she's delinquent of her duties. You know, instead of the role orientation being more spontaneously mm. equal, there's still people who come from a very conservative background, as there are people who come from a very liberal background. So all of this comes into play. And there is a solution. When you see qualified professionals to help with these kind of things, you go through where, what happened that got you to where you are today. Mm. Learn to communicate effectively, conflict resolution. You'll learn to define your relationship. And this is also where we're finding very effectively for people who come in before the marriage. They come in, they want pre-marital coaching.
0: I just want to get Joe's, Joe's view quickly. Uh, Joe, Doc mentioned there about some women feel delinquent if, they, you know, if their husband is doing the cleaning or that he's, you know, he's making the bed, for example, in the morning. Do you think that's a, a widely held view? <laughs> Does no that answer. <laughs> <laughs> motor, <laughs> <laughs> so that's not that's not the the feeling the emotions in your household. No, quite the opposite. Um, it can be a cause of tension, though, can't it?
2: Oh, absolutely. I think it's all about fair share mm. and um, and about you know recognizing your role and having the fair share of work in the home. And if that is just to you know look after the children while your partner is doing something else or just to be involved in that that share of workload Mm. within the home because it's tough and it's difficult Um,
0: if if you if you were to give it a little a percentage and you were to weight it one way or the other in terms of the home and child care and things like this would you i'm sorry if i'm asking you personal stuff on the air but would you feel that if something went wrong in that area it was more likely to have been your responsibility to have to have been taking care of the house, the children and so forth? Well, you know, I think it all goes wrong on a daily basis,
1: doesn't it? <laughs> it's just
2: about getting through that and uh, and managing it, but all, without resentment. I think resentment mm. is the most difficult thing and I think you need to communicate and if husband gets home from long day at work, mm. from long drive home from Abu Dhabi and sits and does nothing, you mm. kind of go I'll give you your cave moment, I'll give you your moment of time to mm. recover but then I need you to interact and help because... You know, it's tough. It's really tough. We
1: need that cave moment, don't we? Well, you know, the two major gifts that the Americans gave the world was cornflakes and happy hour. (laughs) And and the reason is that happy hour, a lot of people associate that with drinking, but it really isn't. It's actually a time to unwind before you get home. Unfortunately, we don't have that here necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's available, but how many people actually have time for it? And driving home from work is not exactly a time to unwind. That can actually be quite stressful. Mm. So when a person, and now we're looking at a lot of dual-earning families where both mom and dad are working, now you've got double the stress. Who's supposed to do what when you get home? Now, one of the things that needs to be understood, and please, women, call me Ramona and let's <laughs> talk here. <laughs> one of the things that needs to be understood is that men, men need to be educated on how to do these things. How many men have grown up in homes with no sisters? and mom said okay son i'm going to teach you how to sweep the floor how to fix your own bed how to wash the dishes and you have an opportunity to learn to be independent in that way mm. how many people have actually had that experience or you live you lived in a traditional home where boys did this girls did that sometimes wives need to be patiently teaching their husbands how to do certain things that they might actually want to do, but don't know how to do it. Mm. I remember my mother taught us boys how to do a lot of stuff, except we never had to wash clothes or iron clothes. My first semester in university, I had the most beautiful, hot, pink clothes. Because <laughs> I didn't know that you had to separate colors. <laughs> <laughs> all my clothes I became hot pink. I can picture that.
0: you picture yeah. that? Now? Yeah, no, and I
2: think <laughs> the thing is, with roles like, you know, housework and in the home and doing all that, as a, as a mother teaching your children to do that, it's continual. It is perpetual every day. And sometimes it feels a bit easier just to do it yourself and go, oh, it'll be so much quicker if I do this myself. But you have to teach them all their patient. little daily chores. And I think when children are about the age of 11 or 12, they can learn how to separate clothes and they can certainly learn mm-hmm. how to function at work a uh, washing machine because if they can use an iPod or all these other electronic devices a washing machine is not that complicated mm. I
1: totally no, agree that's true, yeah, I totally agree with user that friendly.
0: Well, I mean when I, I remember when I was uh, trying to teach my oldest son uh, saying to my wife look you know we should let's let's get him doing the washing up let's get him doing you know he could, he could mop the floor he could hoover for example mm-hmm. my wife was a bit resistant ab- about that and i'm I wondering i'm not i never really had a conversation with her about why but you know he he can now do all of those and he's off at college and mm-hmm. he's got those skills and he can you know I, it is important that we uh, we teach our kids how to do these things
1: and this is a perfect place in the world to be having this conversation because how many of us have children who've never learned even how to boil water Mm. and they're fourteen years old you know when when we repatriated two years ago one of the things that we were surprised with pleasantly surprised with is how much our children loved living in their own country they would never lived in the united states before they were born and raised here okay that was great they had three languages that they spoke fluently they had a great education they had a lot of friends from all over the world but they'd never fixed their own bed yet And when we went to the United States, one of the things that we were concerned about is doing these things for themselves. The first summer that we were there, my son was cutting grass. The children learned how to put gasoline in the car, which they've never had to do Mm. before. They were fixing their own beds, the whole thing. And what we got from them was, this is amazing because we feel so independent. We feel that we have a purpose. We feel that we're being productive. As a matter of fact, both of them decided to get jobs.
0: Amri joins us on the line. Good morning, Amri.
1: Good morning. How are you?
0: We're really good. Thanks for joining us. What did you want to say about marriage?
3: Uh, well, uh, see, uh, the, for me, uh, I'll talk only about myself. Mm. There's a lot of points that I didn't uh, uh, agree to your guests, but I'll only talk about myself. See, marriage has changed me a lot. Uh, before marriage, I was a, a very hardcore person who used to smoke a lot, go to the clubbing, mm. used to do all the things that a young person can do. Once I got uh, a young man can do, once I got married, you know, a sense of responsibility that has come to me, especially when I became a father of a lovely daughter. And after that, uh, uh uh, my sense of responsibility has increased that uh, my daughter started telling me that when she grow up she wants to become a doctor she wants to fly an airplane then I decided myself that see if I'm smoking two packets of cigarettes a day I'm drinking I'm doing all these mm. things then if something happens to me what will happen who will take care of her dreams so suddenly it took me once once a day I quit smoking I quit drinking, mm. I, I I stopped all those bad things that I was having, I become a completely changed person. Now I'm living only f- uh, for my uh, daughter's dream and my wife's dream, uh, I'm taking care of my health, I go to the gym, I'm doing cycling, I reduce my weight, and my performance has increased a lot in my job because now I, I do not work for my company, I work for my family because if I want to earn money, if I want to give happiness to uh, uh, to my family, I have to perform best and best in my job. And to be honest, I got three promotion in one year just because of all these things. Oh, well, congratulations!
0: So are, I mean, I yeah. love that. I love that phrase that um, you say there as well. You you don't work for your company; you work for your family. But you've uh, that this is a case stock, isn't it? Where you can hear Amory's really changed for the better by the sounds of it.
1: Yeah, and this is very very wonderful to hear. It's unfortunate that not other people have that same Mm. kind of experience but it also is remarkable how the motivation to get your life balanced Uh, so it's not that you're ignoring work you're actually better at work Mm. it's not that you're ignoring taking care of yourself you're better at taking yourself taking care of yourself and this is remarkable because your balance now has a purpose and you put family first now that doesn't mean when people put family first that other things become second it just means that they do other things better in a period of time so they can devote their time and their energy to their family. Mm. So you're still being productive, you're still being recreational, but your sense of belonging... And and your encouragement through your spiritual understanding has encouraged you to take a different position in life, and this is remarkable. You've matured quite a bit, and this is a great model and example for other people because this is the model and example that will certainly be nourishing for everyone who you affect. Well, this is a
0: text to hear from uh, Fahad, not exactly as uh, as positive as Amri. There, uh, good morning. Great show about marriage issues. My wife and I have a lovely uh, have a lovely marriage. Four years with one child, but our goals have. Never really aligned. My focus is on education and career. At 35, I'm working hard. I'm studying at Stanford uh, to get to senior management. My wife just believes in having fun with no clear goals and forces me to spend way too much time having fun. It sounds a beautiful like a night. Balance. <laughs> sounds no. This
1: is like this is a beautiful balance. It's not <laughs> a negative kind of a thing. Okay. What it means is that you na- you now have two people who have gotten into the marriage. And both of them want not different things, but balanced things. Mm -hmm. And this is very effective because when you're putting too much time into doing things that takes away from the family, and you think that she's putting in too much time for fun things with the family, ignoring the others, that's not the case. As a matter of fact, what people normally do is they balance each other out. Mm -hmm. When one tends to be an extreme... On one side of the continuum, the other person then takes the other extreme of the same continuum. We do the same thing in everything. This pattern repeats itself. As a matter of fact, when we get on an elevator, the person who's standing in the middle of the elevator floor by themselves sees you coming on. What do they do? They move to the other side. Mm. Then you take a side. The third person, you form a triangle. The The fourth person, a box. So people have a tendency to balance each other, even in proximity. The same balance takes place psychologically. When one person tends to be an extreme on, I need to work with the details, I need to work with the facts. The other person says, wait a minute, we need time for creativity and imagination. When one person says, I need to just focus on the uh, emotional side of the decision-making, the other person says, well, I need to be without the emotion so I can balance this out. And you and your wife are doing the same thing. So rather than seeing this as differences, seeing it as a balance. Now, the balance means also that you put a time limit on it. So if you and your wife could actually work out the time, say, I need to spend this much time having fun with you, and I need to spend this much time studying, Mm. and the time that we have with each other, I won't have a telephone, I won't have books, we don't have television, it's just focused time with each other. That is a way that you can actually remedy this situation without anyone losing. So it becomes a win-win situation.
0: Well, I hope that helps, uh, Farhad. Signed a text in saying, uh, the key to a no surprise marriage, and I like that expression, a no surprise marriage, is to know that you share key values with your partner. They may be different for every couple, but it's important that you know your partner's value system and agree with it. Uh, That'll get you through difficult phases every time and make you stronger as an entity.
1: And I like the word key, and this mm. is one of the key that opens up to the future of the relationship's success when premarital coaching is provided. And this premarital coaching involves actually defining your values, your attitude, your traditions, customs, ethics, morals. It goes into all of that, because what we know in the marriage process, it's a relationship, of course. Mm. And a lot of people think that a relationship for marriage must be love. Well, don't fool yourself, even if love is an important factor. Love actually changes, and love is not an emotion. It actually is a learned attitude. Mm. And what happens as you learn to love that person, that's not really enough for the success and the sustenance of the relationship. What you need to have is the commitment side. The commitment side is knowing yourself first Mm. before you can know the other person. That commitment side involves what is your mission statement? What is your uniqueness? What are your boundaries in life? When you know yourself then you have a better chance of understanding the other person to make a better choice in partners or with the partner that you have, finding the correct kind of balance. The research actually shows even today that arranged marriages may actually work better than love marriages because when two families bring their children together, they're usually coming from the same background, Mm. similar thoughts, similar values, similar uh, cultural understandings. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to come from the same nationality, religion, race, or anything like that. But the closer you are, the easier it is to get to that learned love attitude and sustain the marriage. People who have difficulty with that are people who stubbornly want to stay with their own way of thinking and refuse to change. And we have people that come from cultures where divorce is not part of the vocabulary. Mm. So they come to me, and either they're going to say, We're in a situation where we want to learn to live harmoniously and make each other happy, to have a wonderful life forever. Or, I'm here we're married she or he are stuck with me teach them how to cope with me well that's, <laughs> not, that. that's not going to work is that going to, that's that's divorce before you even walk does in. that happen for real Oh, absolutely she i see that quite a bit unfortunately
0: teach her train her to yeah
1: well or teach him, him. train him yeah, yeah, yeah it can go either way and this is unfortunately sometimes what happens and it could be because of personalities mm. uh, in which one person may come from a very difficult personality disorder Another person is no longer wanting to be passive, and we see this. Unfortunately, what happens is people don't understand the changes that are necessary. The key to a successful relationship is your commitment side, not the love side. Love is nice to have. It's a good balance, and it should be there. But if you only have the love without the commitment side, the marriage is doomed after two or three years anyway because you've never really established knowing yourself, knowing your partner, how you can get the balance. The love part is not the balance. It is a nice commodity that is necessary to be there. But that's actually a sense of belonging. But that sense of belonging changes when the commitment side is at odds, and it changes to the negative. But when that commitment side is understanding yourself and understanding your partner, then the balances come in very positively, and you reach cooperation, You understand that to be happy you need to show gratitude to your partner not just waiting for them to show gratitude to you. Julio texts in he says uh, my first wife saw me
0: as a project Uh, after 16 years she said uh, I thought I could change you my second marriage is now 20 years and it's great we have disagreements we get upset with each other but we fix it in basically less than five minutes we accept each other as we are and there's a trust uh, but no taking for granted Uh, we can also so spend time on our own and we have fun as well. So they're, what years. they're doing
1: is they're surviving the second vulnerable phase of the marriage yeah. where the children are leaving home or they're growing up and they don't need mommy and daddy as much as they need mom and dad's bank account, but they don't necessarily need them to advise their peers are becoming mm. more important. And this is normal because what you want your teenagers to do is learn to be independent, have their own identity, and gain emotional stability. Yeah. But what that does for you is it brings you back to the contact as husband and wife and you look at each other and it says oh your color of your eyes were green i forgot (laughs) what was that nice uh, food that you used to like to eat so this is when the marriage starts to resurface Mm. once the children are no longer needing you as mommy and daddy You'll always be there as family, but they don't need you in the same capacity. So you need to focus again. And what this writer has indicated is they've redefined their marriage, which makes it fine. Now, acceptance is actually the mature ability to realize that there are differences and to make those differences your balance. What happens, however, is when people just tolerate. And tolerating is not a mature concept. It's Mm -hmm. actually very immature. It's a form of arrogance that says, I'm better than you. I'll just put up with the fact that you're not good enough. Well, that's no way to have a relationship with that attitude, whether it's spoken or not spoken. It's a very dangerous kind of a link when it's just tolerance. You need to learn to accept, but to accept means that you have to be mature enough and have confidence in yourself enough that it's okay for other people to be different. Now, let's take that same pattern and put it into politics. When we see nations who are in internal strife, civil war, it's the same kind of insecurities that causes people to fight with each other. Once they're confident in who they are, they can better accept the others. Well, that same psychological pattern is not only in families, but it's also in political strife. Same thing in corporations. When departments are at odds with each other, it's usually because they're insecure in their own ability to function as a department. So they unnecessarily compete with other departments within the same organization. Mm. Same psychological pattern. So when people mature and begin to realize that I'm confident in who I am, which means I know my limitations. I don't have to be perfect, but I have to know how to correct the imperfection. I can better accept others and help them also and work cooperatively with each other. So this couple who have written in have reached that level of understanding of cooperation which is the mature level of acceptance.
0: But we won't all necessarily get there. I mean, he's, he's second which marriage. Which is why is now psychology still years. exists. Yes, yeah. exactly. Second marriage, 20 years, and they're at that phase. First marriage, uh, 16 years, he said his wife tried to tried to change him, treated him like a project. I'm wondering if um, sometimes the second marriage, when they happen, actually benefit from those changes. You know, if, if, if a marriage ends and that both partners go away and they probably look at themselves, assess what has gone wrong, what's, and, and maybe at that point think, okay, I actually will change, which is part of the reason for the success of the second marriage.
1: The, the research on this shows that first marriages have a 50% chance of staying together. Mm. If you go into a second marriage, and usually people might, it's actually only... 40 percent chance of staying together the third marriage is only 30 percent chance of staying together now staying together doesn't necessarily mean staying together for the right reason it could be staying together because you're too embarrassed to get a divorce the second time or can't afford it or can't afford it so (coughs) if you're already giving the first one (laughs) half and the second one's going to get half you have nothing at the end much less. and that goes for both women and men who are divorcing it's going both ways now Mm. the the reality of the situation is if you don't learn from what you are responsible for having not done or done in the first relationship, you're going to repeat it in the second relationship. This is why correct intervention with a professional helps you understand yourself so you don't repeat the problem in the second relationship. Mm -hmm. Now, everybody in any relationship that's having trouble deserves to be in another relationship, but that other relationship can be with your spouse Mm -hmm. at that time. You don't have to be with somebody else. You can learn to have a new marriage in the same relationship with the same spouse
0: Dill's text in he says "Uh, doctor I'm having trouble managing my anger especially with my loving wife of 40 years I feel terribly guilty later how can I control my needless outbursts
1: well that's nice of you to point out that your anger is suggestively may be coming from somewhere else Mm -hmm. and many times what happens with anger is because of chemical changes that takes place in body this is not an excuse it's an explanation the adrenaline level may increase to the point where you have lack of control over your emotional outbursts Mm -hmm. or behavior. And this is where you need to learn how to control it. It might require medication, but very seldom it does. About 7% of the cases we work with will require medication. 93% actually learn how to control the levels of adrenaline rise, which are symptomatically manifested by doing certain psychological techniques it doesn't take forever we're not going to be looking at being on the couch four days a week for the next half a decade you know this is something that can be taught very very quickly with people who are sincerely wanting to make change Mm. and if you're not going to be blaming other people for it but taking responsibility happens very quickly if you're too busy trying to blame everybody else then you're going to be into trouble Mm. And that trouble is going to be that you're not taking responsibility for the way you think, feel, and behave. One of the things you need to learn is no one can make you think, feel, and behave any particular way. You're responsible. And this person who has intelligently written, they are taking responsibility. And this person can very easily learn how to manage that anger in a very, very quick scenario.
0: If I mean, you must have come up with cases, and I, I'm not saying this is the case here with uh, Dalil. But if there's ever any violence in a in a marriage, for example, would you recommend that couples who want to stay together and work to uh, to have a better relationship and work through that stage? Should they stay together? Should they separate? What would your advice be?
1: Depending on the violence, I do recommend sometimes, very seldom, but I do recommend that they actually have separate living situation Mm -hmm. so that they're not in each other's face. And the two or three hours a week that we spend together in a therapeutic model does not get damaged with the other 165 hours of the week Mm -hmm. where they have to be together. So sometimes complete physical separation is necessary. Very seldom, however. Usually we can do modified living arrangement where they live in separate quarters within the same house. Mm -hmm. They will attend to what they should or should not do in in the interventions. If they can't do that, then separation physically is necessary, or they're going to end up divorced anyway. Mm -hmm. My concern many times is when one person is very, very diligent in my way is the right way, no matter what you say, I'm going to do it my way behind your back anyway. Well, don't waste your time and your money there 's people who sincerely need help and will be happy to go through the processes that are scientifically based it 's not just imagining what to do we 're very scientifically based as psychologists so mm. everything we 're going to do with our with our clients our patients are things that we know are scientifically sound they 've been researched they 've been peer reviewed they 've been published for, for review, and we know that they work so what happens? in a situation when people are having difficulty in violence, a lot of people think violence is just hitting each other. Mm. But violence can actually be yelling, screaming, name-calling, throwing things, hitting guns and knives. All of that is violence. Mm. It's not just the guns and knives or the hitting that's violence. It's even the yelling and screaming that can be in a form of violence. Well, this is what I was going
0: to say. You know, DeLille also mentioned he has some anger issues, however they may manifest themselves. But uh, there may be anger which is actually leading to conflicts within the marriage but it's not displayed as anger but there might be emotional anger which which leads to other issues
1: and it's depression Mm. a lot of times people think of depression as just feeling sad and blue but depression can also be in the form of agitation aggravation irritation all of these and that can be very difficult to deal with so this is usually a result of frustration when a person has a particular expectation of themselves or their partner, they have goals that they want to reach and they want their partner to insistingly go through the same goals and they don't get that by definition it's frustration well frustration leads to anger anger will, anger will either be in the f- or, or aggression a- aggression will either be in the form of Violence that I just described Mm -hmm. or they'll turn it against themselves. So that outward uh, That outward aggression turned inward is depression Mm -hmm. and depression is not always just feeling sad and blue It's that aggressive modality as well. Well, you're not going to get to your goals and expectations When you're angry when you're violent when you're depressed So more frustration and it becomes a vicious cycle. So stopping the cycle is of the essence Being able to understand that when you want to make changes, you have to sincerely do so and not be manipulative and exploitive of the situation.